It's a joy to be able to sing about the goodness of God together, uh, even behind our mask. I, I'm thankful that wearing masks in order to be safe is not going to keep us from worshiping God or celebrating together or having a good time as we prepare to go back to school. Pastor Stacy mentioned that uh, for the next several weeks, we're going to have a series of sermons called The Games People Play. And we're going to learn lessons of faith from the games that we play in life. And um, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago in a sermon that Kristen and I enjoy to do puzzles together. And I got home from church and a neighbor across the street um, caught me. She was in her yard and she waved and I rolled my window down and she said, we literally the label said like one of the hardest puzzles in the world. And then she brought another one over about an hour after that. Uh, she was just loading us up, and it's cool, like, uh, every piece is different, and they're cut out of wood, and they're sort of thick, um, and in all kinds of shapes, and so we're working on that one right now. So I don't know, maybe over the next several weeks as we talk about the games that we play in our lives, uh, maybe that'll pique your interest. I don't know if you're a game player, board games, that kind of stuff, but maybe it'll pique your interest to break out a game or go shop for a new game to play, and, and maybe even to look for a lesson in it for us in life. Now, the game that I'm going to address... This morning is one that you probably haven't heard of, but I, I do think there is a, a lesson of faith for us with it. And it's a lesson that we find actually first in the scriptures. And so I want to read this passage of scripture for us to sort of set the table this morning. And this comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm reading a selection of verses, 12 through 14 and 24 through 27. And so we're going to put that on the screen so you can follow along either in the room or at home uh, as I read our scripture for us today. This is 1 Corinthians 12. It says, Christ is just like the human body. A body is a unit and has many parts. And all the parts of the body are one body, even though there are many. We were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek or slave or free, and we all were given one spirit to drink. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts with less honor, so that there won't be division in the body, and so the parts might have mutual concern for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part gets the glory, all the parts celebrate with it. You are the body of Christ and parts of each other. That's God's word for us today about who we are as followers of Jesus. And, um, and I think we see that played out in this game that I'm going to mention in just a second. But I, I just got to admit to you before I introduce this game, I am a competitive person by nature. I don't know if that's nature or nurture. I don't know if that was you know, instilled in me. Anybody else want to be honest and admit you're a competitive person? Mm-hmm. John, Cameron. With Chad, we played tennis this past week, and I, what, only four times did somebody get hit with the ball, I think, you know, we, it was five times maybe, there was a couple going at heads, we, we, um, all in fun. I'm a competitive person by nature, and so when I was introduced to this different kind of genre of games called cooperative games, it really took me a minute uh, to wrap my head around these kinds of games. Maybe you've heard of some of them. Uh, there's like uh, Hoot Owl, Hoot and outfoxed. These are great games for families of all ages. This one is called Race to the Treasure. 
And it's made by a company called Peaceable Kingdom. And so the idea behind a cooperative game is that you work together to win the game, to complete the game, rather than compete against each other in the midst of the game. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Yeah. It threw me for a loop. I'll just be honest. It's a, it's a different kind of way of playing a board game. I, I don't know if, if you guys, if you're gamers or not. Um, but this game called Race to the Treasure. So the, the objective of the game is to get to the treasure on the board together before the ogres do. This is, this is the board. We can put a picture of it up on the screen too. This is the game board. And it's just a grid uh, and there's, there's tiles that you draw and play. But the way that you play the game is... You have to collect keys, and they're placed on the board in different places randomly, and then you draw tiles, and the tiles are little paths, little pieces of path. And so you can see, here's a picture of the board with tiles being laid on them. But, you know, the, the tiles are upside down. You draw them just like you maybe would cards in a card game. And as you draw yours, you play it on the board. And then the next person takes a turn to draw theirs, and they play it on the board. And so you cooperatively try to create a path on the board where you can get the keys that unlock the treasure and then get all the way to the end. But there are also ogres in the deck. And so if you draw an ogre, you put that in the little column for the ogres. And there are enough ogres that you can, the ogres can get all the way down to the treasure and beat you to the treasure as you cooperatively try to get there together. And, and so the premise of the game is that you're working with each other to make your way on this journey to the treasure. And you either all get there together, all outrun the ogre to the treasure, or, or you don't. Now again, it took me a minute as a, as a competitive gamer to, to get this, but, but it's a lot of fun. I've played it with my family. Chris and I have been playing it with our kids. And the notion that we all get to help each other and we all get to cooperate to win the game creates a whole different dynamic in the game. And, and I think that's what our scripture is getting at this morning. The idea that we all work together. That we're not competing against each other. Which again, I don't know nature or nurture, but that's just sort of the way I came up playing games. And it's interesting with that competitiveness that I know that is inside of me, how that bleeds over or affects my life in all different areas. I mean, just that, that competitive instinct, that competitive drive, that competitive approach to things rather than a cooperative approach to things. Can you see how that might affect your relationships? Or the way you do business? Or the way you function as a church with each other? Being cooperative or being competitive? And that's where I think the Scripture opens up for us a different view of life, particularly life as the children of God, life in God's kingdom, life 
as God's church. In this particular passage, Paul says that we are, as Christ is, a body. That we're a body. And that this body has many parts. All different kinds of parts, like the different parts of the body. For all the kids in the room, maybe that's something you've learned about in school or you'll be learning about in school. In science, you, you learn about all the different parts of the body and how they function together. And, and yes, there, there are different parts to the body, and they all have different roles. They, they all do different things. Your eyes do some things. Your ears do some things. And maybe that's not as especially impressive. But then Paul dives even deeper to talk about what this body of Christ looks like. Naming not only that we're all different and we all bring different things, different abilities, different gifts, different skills, different interests together into this cooperative body. But Paul then adds to that, and you know what? There's not one part of the body that's more special or more important than any other part. And there's not one part of the body that's less important or less special than any other part. That all of the parts of the body are important. Not only to God, but to each other. That all of you, all of us, are valuable, important to God and to each other. And even the parts of the body that may seem less significant or feel less important or less valuable. See, here's where you get into the kingdom of God stuff because Paul says those are the par parts of the body that God lifts up, that God elevates, that God says are most special and deserving of the most honor. That in, in the body of Christ, we are all cooperating together in such a way that God elevates even the least or the lowest or the, those that feel the least deserving to something special in this body. And, Paul says, so we all celebrate with each other. If, if something in the life of a part of this body happens that is good and joyful, then the rest of the body celebrates with them. And we all suffer with each other. If something happens in the life of a part of the body that is sad or that hurts, then we all share in that with them too. I, I feel like I saw a great example of that uh, during the Olympics. I don't know how much of the Olympics you've been watching. I've watched some, but there was a story that made the news um, particularly about one of our gold medalists 
from America. She's a swimmer from Alaska. Lydia Jacoby, do you recognize that name? I don't know if you saw or heard about that. She won a gold medal in the 100 meter breaststroke. The only Olympic swimmer from Alaska ever. Never mind meddling, the only Olympic swimmer from Alaska ever. 17 years old, and she won the gold medal. She wasn't even on the Olympic radar screen this spring. Like, she, she, she basically just rose to the occasion and tried out in March, and then in April qualified, and then in June made it onto the Olympic team, and, and here she is in July, a gold medal winner. Also interesting that she plays in a bluegrass band, plays bass back home in Alaska, for those of you that were with us in worship last week. But the thing I loved about that story was they had the cameras set up in one of the watch parties back in her hometown of Seward, Alaska, population 2,700 people, and, and they had a camera set up for a watch party uh, as she was competing in this event. And, and I just, I saw a clip, maybe you saw it, it's a, it's a side-by-side or, or stacked. It's, it's her racing and the people watching her. And, and I wanted us to take a second and watch that together this morning. King is behind. Schumacher is a bubble in lane four with a slot lead. And then you've got Jacoby. Jacoby up there in lane three. I don't know. It looked like there was probably the whole town gathered in that um, railway station there in Alaska in that watch party. But I thought, what a, what a cool image of her entire town, basically, gathered to watch. And not only watch her, but like cheer. Not only cheer for her, but like jumping up and down. I mean, I think there were people in there doing the breaststroke uh, as she was swimming. It's like that whole town was a part of her effort. Supporting and cheering for her and rooting for her. After she won, uh, Lydia said she wanted to thank her community for the years of support, and she said, a lot of big-name swimmers come from big powerhouse clubs. But I think me coming from a small club in a state with such a small population really shows that you can do it no matter where you're from. And one of her coaches, Matt Hershot, said after the race about that group gathered in that watch party, there wasn't any person in there who didn't contribute something to that win. And I think what a glimpse of our faith. That is, we live our lives of faith individually, corporately, that we all contribute to the win. That we all contribute to the growth, to the gains. For each other, with each other, that that's all of us 
cheering one another on. And, and I got to be honest, I compare that in my mind to what's been going on, again, with the Olympics with Simone Biles, when she decided for her own health and well-being that she needed to take a step back and withdraw. Or before her, Naomi Osaka, the professional tennis player who did the same thing from some of the major tournaments. And some of the criticism that I heard of them and read of them because they decided not to compete and you know, people acting and talking as if they owed, those athletes owed us something or that, you know, they were letting us down or disappointment in them. Like, I don't know. I couldn't help but see the stark contrast between the way those athletes were regarded. And it'd be a shame to think it's just because one was successful and, and one in some sense was viewed not to have been in a moment. And, oh, but the church is different. The body of Christ is different. People who follow Jesus, we don't look at each other and judge one another based on those standards. When somebody claims the name of Christ, when, when somebody becomes part of the church, part of your church, part of our church, part of God's church, they don't become a target of our scrutiny. They become a target of our support, of our love, of our encouragement, of our cooperation as we live this life of faith together. Soon in this church, we'll start up uh, something we call confirmation. It's, it's a season where uh, children, youth of, of an appropriate age, learn some more in-depth about the faith and about the church and about God and themselves and are invited to then make a decision to follow Christ for themselves. We call that confirmation. And it's a series of weeks of different kinds of activities and teachings. Uh, Dennis Muzahuzi, our youth director, is coordinating that effort. There are people in this church who will be mentors for all of these young people as they go on this journey of confirmation together. And I just, I think about that as something that our church does. And, and hopefully looks a lot like what we just saw on the screen from Lydia Jacoby and her family and friends back home, that, that there is a, a group of people cheering and, and supporting and, and participating themselves as these young people in our midst grow in their own faith and come to decide for themselves that they want to follow Jesus. All these backpacks that are up here, and, and maybe there are still some in the pews in just a minute, we're going to invite all the kids in the room who brought a backpack, or even if you didn't, or if you've got a kid going back to school and you want to come stand and represent, we're going to invite you to come up front. Anybody going back to school, teachers, educators, and we're going to pray a blessing over them all. Hey, listen, if your backpack is up here, or if you've brought it with you, if you're going back to school, we want you to go back to school like that gold medal winner, Lydia Jacoby. Because you know what? They were in Alaska and she was in Tokyo. She, they weren't in the room. They weren't right there with her. I wondered if she even knew that they were back there cheering and jumping up and down and, and swimming with her as she competed and gave it her best. 
I don't know if she knew they were there or not. Maybe she did. Maybe she could tell it. Maybe she could feel it. But we want you to go back to school just like that, knowing that there's a church full of people, a community full of people that are cheering for you, that are celebrating with you. And if you're sad, that are sad with you, supporting you and are here for you and want the best for you, not just in school with your education, but in life with all of who you are and in your relationship with Jesus. And oh man, what a, what a beautiful picture of the church at its best when we're like that with each other. Not just the kids among us who are in confirmation or going back to school, but with all of us. With the people in the pews nearby you. With the people that serve in leadership on our committees. Oh, you know, oh that we would view one another in this way. That we would know that as the body of Christ, baptized by one spirit. Doesn't matter, Paul said, Jew or Greek, slave or free. Doesn't matter your nationality. Nationality doesn't privilege you in the church. Doesn't matter your social status or your economic ability. That doesn't privilege you in the church. There's another place in the scripture where Paul adds on, doesn't matter male or female. Your gender doesn't privilege you in the church. That all of us would know that we are in this together and we are here to support and encourage one another as we go on this journey of faith. As we work together to make this path to the treasure that is the kingdom of God. What a beautiful example for the church to be for the world of people doing that with each other and for each other. And I love that we get to do that together here at Shambly. So what we're going to do in, in just a minute, we're the band is actually about to come back right now, and they're going to lead us in one more song. So I'm going to invite them to come on up. They're going to lead us in one more song. And during that song, I'll get back up and invite all of the kids who are in the room, uh, if you've brought your backpack or not. I'm also going to invite Pastor Stacy, Dennis, our youth minister, uh, Aaron Wingerson, our children's minister. They're going to come up. If you've got a kid that you want to come and stand for and represent them in here this morning, or if you're going back to school as a teacher, an administrator, like we just want to pray a blessing over everybody as we head back into the school year together. So, um, so the band is going to lead us in one more song, and then during that song, I'll get back up and call everybody forward, and we'll pray a blessing over everyone together as the family of faith. So I want to invite you, if you would, to, to get back up on your feet, and we're going to sing one more song.